Welcome to the BDO Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Tara Bellio. I'm going to start today's podcast off with a question. Have you ever received a call from a debt collector? If you have, you know it can be scary, confusing, and intimidating. For most people, dealing with a debt collection agency isn't exactly an everyday occurrence. So how do you know if the person on the phone is actually a debt collector? And are they allowed to call your family? Or what if you just ignore the phone calls? In this episode, we're really fortunate to have Michael Comrie and Nicole Olson join us for a debt collection Q&A. Mike and Nicole are licensed insolvency trustees with BDO Debt Solutions, and one of the ways they help people find debt relief is to put an end to debt collection calls. So they're uniquely qualified to answer the most common questions about debt collection agencies. So welcome, Mike and Nicole. Let's get started. So, Michael, what exactly is a debt collection agency? Yeah, so uh, I get this uh, question quite often. So I'll sort of give a a basic explanation. So uh, a debt collection agency is a company that specializes in recovering unpaid debts. So if you don't make your debt payments, uh, typically a creditor will hire or sell your debt to a debt collector who in turn will contact you to collect on that debt. So this could be you know, a credit card, a line of credit, a loan. But a simple way to think about them is these are organizations that obtain or arrange payments for money owing to another person. And in the context of what is a debt collection agency, obviously, it's important to understand the creditor. And so this is the original company you owe the money to who's attempting to collect on that debt. So they're going to do that, as I mentioned, either by way of hiring a debt collection agency to do the collecting or by selling that debt off to, um, again, a debt collection agency who then will contact you to collect on that debt. So is there a difference? I'm going to use Rogers as an example in Canada. I think Rogers is a company that is across Canada. So so there's an internal Rogers debt collection agency. And then if they don't collect the money from you through their internal ways, they will sell to a third party. Yeah, there's two ways to look at that. So there's kind of what we call in-house collections. Um, and so again, most uh, creditors, like for example, uh, or service provider, like for example, Rogers will have its own internal collection department. Uh, and they will contact you. But it, it just because you have a third-party debt collection agency contacting you, it doesn't necessarily automatically mean the debt's been sold to them. They may have been hired because they can sort of escalate those calls and and be a little bit more persistent uh, in the way they go about collecting that debt than Rogers' in-house debt collections might be. So it could be one of those three scenarios, in-house, third-party, and that third-party may be just hired to collect that debt, or they've actually acquired that debt. Uh, and there are certain agencies in the industry that are kind of known for doing that. And so when you see a call coming from one of those particular agencies, you, you can generally know this is likely a debt that's been purchased. Okay. So Nicole, how will I know that my debt has been sent to a debt collection agency? Like, is there a process that collection agencies must follow when they're pursuing unpaid debts? Typically, they'll reach out um, by either phone or by letter to let you know that they are now collecting for that specific creditor. And like Mike said, they can either be contracted or they could purchase the debt. So you'll start to receive collection notices saying, hey, we're collecting for this debt um, and we're doing it on behalf of XYZ creditor. Um, The other thing to be aware of is that If the debt is purchased, it actually can be purchased multiple times. So it can be sold over and over again. So a lot of questions that I get from clients is, well, I had ABC Collections Agency contacting me and now XYZ Collections Agency is contacting me. Who really holds the debt? Yeah, I've seen that happen as well. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I just wanted to say it's a really good point. I had a um, a client recently who actually had a debt sold to a collection agency, settled the debt, and then months later got a call from another collection agency who had apparently acquired that debt as well. So it it can be pretty messy. So uh, we'll get to a point where we talk about how you how you deal with this to kind of prepare yourself for that uh, potentiality. Okay. And so like, is there some requirements when it comes to like communicating with, with you, the debt collector? So like, you know, for example, you mentioned they send a letter. Is there like a process that they have to go through, Nicole? So yeah, they'll essentially contact you by letter to see if first they need you to confirm you are who you say you are, that the debt is actually yours. So they're going to go through a process of possibly asking you to confirm your identity through, you know, date of birth, social insurance number, the account number. Um, And then from there, once they realize that it's you um, at that point in time, they can pursue continued collections activity. Now there are some rules and regulations about how often they can collect from you or contact you uh, and what they can do from there, but uh, they can start to call you at home. They can call references. Um, If you had given references, the original creditor can call your references if you've listed them to get a debt or a loan. Uh, They can't contact your friends and family though, if you haven't given them the permission to do so. So that's kind of the process they go through. Yes, Mike. Yeah. So, um, you know, I operate in Ontario, so I, I, I don't want this to be Ontario centric, but I, I did sort of want to indicate in Ontario specifically, if you're dealing with a collection agency who's, who's uh, registered with the um, register in Ontario, they actually have to wait six calendar days from that initial uh, initial letter. And it can also be an email before they actually attempt that that next contact. So specifically to Ontario collection based agencies. So, and this goes a little bit off topic, but you brought something up that just kind of put a flag of concern that I can recognize people having with all the scam phone calls going on right now and like them trying to get your account information. Is there a way for people to know that this is legitimately a debt collection agency? Because you just said they're going to ask you personal information. They're going to ask you what your account number is, what your full name is, your address, all of this information that can be used by a scam or fraud um, situation to also, you know, put you in financial trouble. So is there a way that somebody can protect themselves to make sure that it's a debt collection agency? Yeah, so specifically in Alberta and our legislation, and I'm sure it's very similar in other provinces, uh, we have that they have to disclose in writing um, the fees that they're going to be charging. They have to provide you with information from the original creditor uh, and the current creditor of the debt with their details. They have to provide a receipt with cash transactions, uh, payments that you've possibly made. They have to give you an accounting of the debt. And all of that in Alberta needs to be provided within 30 days. So So they have to prove who they are. Pretty much, yep. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, Mike, what should I do then when a debt collector calls? Yeah. So again, another really common question. So um, there's some very specific things you can do, and and then um, I'll go over you know sort of my best advice that I give to individuals. So, best advice I would say is when you get a call from a, a debt collector or an agency collecting on debt, you want to do a couple of things. And first and foremost, there's certain things you want to ask for and certain things you want to write down. So note the date and time of the call. Note the name of the collection agency and the name and contact info for the person specifically calling you. So let's call them the agent. Note the name of the creditor. Um, So this is the person they're collecting the money for or on behalf of. And then in general, just, and this may be just repeating this, but I really want to drive this home. Make sure you're, you're getting details on the amount owing, who you owe it to, and the original date of the debt. 
Uh, coming back to your question about making sure the agency is legitimate, um, yes, there are all these rules in place and they're supposed to follow them, but just to sort of protect yourself, um, it's it's best advice to kind of verify that that agency exists by checking with uh, things like the Better Business Bureau or whatever your provincial consumer affairs office is. So in Ontario, that'd be the Ministry of Government Consumer, Ser- consumer Services. Um, and then once you verify that the collection agency is legitimate, actually make the call to them to verify, in fact, that they have called you and they are collecting on that debt. That way, you know, at least uh, it's all legitimate uh, in that in that way. Okay. And just to go on that, Nicole, um, so they have a reputation, good, bad, or, or not true, um, of being very aggressive when they're calling. So can a person be like, hey, you know, can I call you back? Because there's a pressure to kind of collect on that call. So is how, how would someone go about doing that? Absolutely. I recommend to all my clients to advocate for themselves um, and, and really know that they're the ones that are kind of holding a lot of control in this conversation. It's interesting that Mike brought up that point about contacting them back because that is my... A surefire recommendation for people that are getting those CRA scam calls. Like if somebody calls you from the CRA and I know this is completely on a tangent, but if somebody calls you from the CRA and says, hey, you owe us money, um, you say, okay, thanks for the information, hang up the phone and then call the CRA back. They will know if they're collecting for you. So debt collections agencies, again, very good tip. Take their name and number or find out what company they're working for. Like I say, ABC Collections Agency. Say, okay, great. Thanks for this information. I'll give you a call back. And then you call back the collections agency. You give them your name and they should be able to look you up by file number. And then from there, you can state your case and you can say, this is what I'm prepared to do in dealing with this debt and then leave it at that rather than feeling like they're pressuring you into taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah, I, I would just sort of add to that as well. Um, absolutely advocate for yourself um, and sort of get into the habit of doing that. If you get to a point where it's complicated and you can't make sense of sort of how to move forward, what your rights are, if you know the rules have been followed and you're just sort of feeling overwhelmed, you can, of course, contact a licensed insolvency trustee who can you know go over your options um, and have this type of conversation with you so you can make better sense of, of your situation and how to move forward. Okay. And so, Nicole, what if the debt isn't mine? What do I do? That's an interesting one. I've run into this a couple of times. So the debt isn't yours. You can clearly tell them, this is not mine. You have the wrong person. This is not my debt. And make sure that you have that, um, you've done that over the phone, as well as sending a registered letter to say, this debt is no, not mine. And you send the registered letter and make sure that it's going to cost you a little bit of money. But honestly, with the headache that you're going to get, it's worth it to send it to make sure that they've received it. Once they do that, you're going to want to get a copy of your credit reports. So really clear, I've been running into this with a lot of my clients, only Equifax and TransUnion can provide proper credit report. They're the proper credit reporting agencies in Canada. So all the free ones that you get online, as awesome as they are, you know, it's great to have a free one. The information that they provide on those credit reports may not be accurate or it's not translating properly into their system. So get a copy of your Equifax and your TransUnion and see if that collections agency has listed a public record on there to say that you have a collections debt with them. And if you do, the next step is to uh, lodge a complaint with Equifax and TransUnion, an investigation. And what they'll do is they'll investigate making sure that that debt is accurate. Um, And it takes about 30 to 60 days, like 30 days for them to action it. And then usually 60 days to resolve that type of, you know, complaint. Okay. And Mike, what if it's a spouse? 
Yeah, so um, that does happen quite regularly, uh, obviously. So um, unless your spouse, uh, unless you've co-signed the loan or provided some sort of guarantee for that debt, uh, there's no sort of, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, there's no sort of matrimonial liability or any sort of spillover in that sense. However, you know, it would be incumbent upon you um, and your spouse at that point to sort of inform them of their rights in, in the same way we're having that conversation with you right now. So, you know, they should go through the steps then of confirming that the debt is theirs uh, and and everything we've talked about that. But it's important that they the, the person who's received that call who doesn't owe the debt doesn't just sort of ignore it and not inform their spouse who may in fact be liable for that debt. So don't don't ignore it, you know, sort of have that conversation. And depending on how deep or severe the situation is, again, consider seeking, you know, uh, debt solutions. Okay. Um, so when can a debt collector call? Mike? Uh, sure. Yeah. So there are, again, specific rules about this. And and this is, as best as I can tell in doing research, pretty much the same across um, all provinces. There might be some small differences. But generally speaking, when we're talking about Monday to Saturday, they can contact you between the hours of 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. If we're talking about Sunday, it's 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. They cannot contact you on stat holidays. And again, I I don't want to be Ontario centric, but in Ontario, they can actually only contact you three times within a seven day period. However, and this is an important caveat, um, if you've consented to them contacting you otherwise, they can do so. Or it's important to keep in mind that contact means specifically that they speak with you or they email you or they've left a message. So if they call you and they don't get you and they don't leave a message, or even if they send you a letter, those are actually not considered contact uh, within the uh, provincial uh, rules that lay out what <laughs> debt collectors can do. So, that's so the how debt collector you... can blow up your phone. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and I've actually had really bad situations wow. lately with, uh, with, I won't name them, but, but one or two particular collection agencies that put people on what's called a dialer. Oh. And they are getting calls on the minute, every minute for hours oh. on end. And as soon as they pick up, the call disconnects. So it doesn't technically count as contact. However, complaints were filed in those instances and oh those calls gosh. were stopped. But it is important to keep that in mind that, you know, contact has a specific meaning and it's defined as specifically as speaking with you, emailing you or leaving you a message. And and again, something specific to um, to the way they can collect is that unless you've provided your cell phone, they can't actually contact you on that. And that's true for both um, provincial, so Ontario collection rules or laws, and, and also federal. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what if you don't have a home phone and you only have a cell phone? Well, then you've probably provided to them. Okay. Right? When you've borrowed enough. the money, that's that's likely the contact they'd have okay. for you. So That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so, Nicole, can a debt collector talk to anyone else about the debt? So they're not supposed to talk to anybody else about the debt specifically. They can call your employer and they can call your family members or relatives to request your contact information. If they feel like you've moved, uh, maybe they want your current address or your current phone number, they can call for that information. And employers, they'll typically call to see if you're still employed with them. But beyond that, they are not allowed to discuss your debt with anyone else except for you. Okay. And is there any, sorry, yes, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I would just sort of add that the only caveat to that would be if your employer or if this person they're contacting, friend, family member, relative, neighbor, has actually provided a, a guarantee or co-signed the debt. Yeah. Then it's okay. technically theirs too, yes, right? So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is there any penalization um, if they do discuss the debt with somebody else that they're not supposed to? 
So all of these things would be like if they're contacting you outside of the hours, if they're contacting you more than they should, these are all things that are going against the collections acts in each of the provinces. So you can file a complaint. There is a process to do it. Um, the problem is, is that I don't know how much teeth it has, right? So you could start that process and see if it, it can get it to stop. And I absolutely recommend to all my clients to lodge those complaints because the more complaints there is, the more action that they have to take. So there is definitely some information on who and where to contact to make that complaint. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, if I, I, I would, yeah, I would just sort of add to that. Um, I, I generally feel the same way. Like you, you look at these types of complaints and I had always sort of felt they wouldn't go anywhere. And the, the right language to use, Nicole sort of hit the nail on the head is you know, sort of what really power do they have or, or the teeth to that bite. However, that being said, uh, I have been encouraging these types of complaints. As I mentioned, there have been these particular instances I've been dealing with. And those complaints in Ontario anyways, uh, were actually um, followed to the nth degree and cease and desist letters were sent to the third party agencies. Uh, and the calls did in fact stop. Now, again, that's an extreme situation. I'm not sure it would always be so favorable, but I think the important thing, as Nicole said, is like, if you don't, if we just believe it won't work and those complaints don't get filed, then, then clearly it won't work. So you have to put in, you actually have to put in the effort to do it. Um, and over time it will accrete and actually make a difference. And in the instances I'm referring to, it, it did. This, this person was on a dialer and that's done. That's stopped. Right? They're, they're able now to go back to being able to use their phone and, and, live, and live a normal life. That's insane. Um, so since we're on the topic of what is allowed and what isn't allowed, Nicole, what else are collection agencies not allowed to do? Oh, there's a whole list of things that they can't do, surprisingly. Um, so I have specifically some ones, like I say, and it's all provincial, but the ones that we have here in Alberta, uh, they can't charge any fees or NSF checks unless the agency is disclosed in writing prior to the submission uh, that it'll be charged. Make arrangements with you to accept a sum of money that is less than the amount of the balance due to a creditor as a final settlement without consent of the creditor. So I run oh. into this a few times and I tell my clients, Sometimes they want to settle the debts on their own. A lot of debt settlement or collections agencies are willing to take, you know, cents on the dollar to settle the debt. But I always tell my clients, make sure to get it in writing before you hand over any of the cash. You need to have a letter from the collections agency stating, I am going to accept this amount of money as a settlement in full. And so that you have that proof, because I had a few instances where they came back later looking for the, the balance of the debt that's outstanding. So you need to be aware of that. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I would just sort of add um, to those. There are sort of uh, sort of general things they can't do, which is important to know. So is, you know, communicating with you or your family in a harassing manner, um, implying or giving false or misleading information, which has happened uh, time and again. So I, I, I think it's important to bring that up. Use threatening, intimidating or abusive language. Uh, apply excessive or unreasonable, you know, pressure on you to repay the debt. Because th these are generally things we think about a collection agency, right? That they're going to do these things and hey, that's just what they do. But but actually, no, there, there are rules about how they can communicate with you about that debt. And if they over sort of they step over those rules, then you do have the, I mean, all this really comes back to you you know, filing a complaint. But it's important to keep in mind that there, there is sort of a way in which they are required to speak to you when collecting on this debt. Surely the governments, provincially and federal, haven't given these agencies the ability to abuse their constituents. Makes sense. Go ahead, yeah, Nicole. Yeah, and 
along the lines about the harassing language and the phone calls and things like that, an easy way to stop this is that if you send a registered letter to the collections agency stating you can only now lo no, like you can no longer contact me by phone. Here is my actual residential address. You can send me letters and collection agency um, collections communication through wow. this method. And I do not want you to contact me by phone anymore. They have to honor that. So that's usually first and foremost recommendation that I have for my clients, especially if they're dealing with stress and anxiety with the phone calls, send the registered letter, say, contact me by mail, and then everything will come through mail at that point in time. That makes it easier for us to deal with that without the emotional side of things kind of triggering them. Absolutely. And going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, you don't owe the money. Can they continue to just keep calling you and saying like, you owe this money, you owe this money, you owe this money? No, they would have to eventually stop. So that's where the complaint process would come in place. Okay. <laughs> um, so you would just file that complaint and say, this debt isn't mine. And then you would go through Equifax and TransUnion. Hopefully it'll resolve it at that point in time. And then you can get them to stop. Um, one of the things that you can do if you have very low income, so a lot of my clients that might be on some type of government supports, um, seniors just don't have the funds to pay this debt. What I do recommend is that once you get them to where they're communicating by mail, you can actually send them a letter uh, with a budget in it, just explaining, look, this is my source of income. I make CPP, OAS. This is the, this is the amount of money I have. This is where it's going. It's housing, food. We all know inflation is really high right now. Just say, I don't have the capacity to pay this debt, would you consider forgiving this debt? And leave it at that. And honestly, in nine times out of 10, that collection agent will take that file, put it on the bottom of their desk because they know there's no way that they're going to get any money out of that client and then just move along. And then two years later, it gets sold to another debt collections agency and you just send the letter again. So that's been very successful for me in the past with my clients that are struggling with income. That's a really good tip. Mike, do you have anything to add to that? I just, yeah, I wanted to reiterate that in the event you're disputing um, the existence of the debt, be sure that that's done in, in writing because that's what you're going to be able to rely on when they essentially then break that rule, i.e. that they should no longer be contacting you because you've disputed the debt. If you're filing a complaint, that would be a, a good resource to include in your complaint. Great. And so let's circle back to the intimidation. What, again, I, I, I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. So what should a person do if a debt collector tries to intimidate them or use a threatening thing? You've touched on the letter. I'm guessing it's, again, report them, correct? I'm very much about like setting boundaries with the people that you're working with, like that you're communicating with on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, as much as I set boundaries with how people interact with me, I want my clients to be setting those boundaries as well. Love and that. if the debt collector contacts you and then they have a harassing manner to them or whatever, just say, this is not appropriate. And call me back when you can communicate with me in a humane and you know customer service type of manner and just hang up on them. Like that would be great. <laughs> set that boundary. Perfect. So and just to sum it all up. Um, we want to set the boundary of we're not going to be discussing this in this manner. And then if it continues, then the registered letter goes out and a complaint is filed. Now, we I don't recall us mentioning, who do we file the complaint with? Here in Alberta, it's the uh, Consumer Protection Agency Act is who we would do it. And I think the FCAC, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, also has a method in which you can file that complaint as well. So there's multiple ways that you can file those complaints. Perfect. Mike? 
Yeah. So if I can just add to that. Um, so the, the FCAC, Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, this would be sort of um, when you're dealing with federally regulated financial institutions or a party acting on their behalf. In Ontario, it would specifically be, we actually have what's called on con- the Consumer Protection Ontario, which is through the Ministry of Government and Consumer Services. I, I've mentioned that that ministry in the past, and they sort of will go through the process of protecting your rights and, and they'll actually investigate the, the complaint quite thoroughly. And now I have sort of first hand uh, proof of that uh, based on those sort of situations that I um, had presented. And, and I just quickly want to uh, point out, because um, I failed to mention it previously, is in Ontario specifically, when you get that letter, which is at the outset of the process, uh, they actually have to include a, a sort of a little um, form that lays out your rights and what you can do and what you should do if they're violated, which, which I think is incredible because it's right there laid out for you in that initial, initial letter. Great. So what will happen if I ignore the calls from a data collection agency, Mike? Yeah, so don't do that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it's, it's it just good won't advice. go away? Yeah, no, no, it won't. And I know, uh, you know, that's kind of a thing human beings do in general. And I think everybody at some point in their life has been guilty of ignoring something and hoping it will go away. But in this case, uh, if if you do ignore it, there, there are potential consequences. So technically, they can't um, recommend or start legal or court action to collect a debt without first notifying you. And then technically, they also do, depending on whether they've acquired the debt or been hired, do need to get sort of that that permission in writing from the original creditor. But in the event that you ignore it and they sue you, uh, they could end up getting a default judgment, uh, assuming you have um, you know, assets with equity, income, et cetera. Those could be garnished. And, and I won't tell you how many times I've had an individual reach out to say, hey, uh, I ignored a debt and now I'm getting garnished. And they had no warning of it because they ignored not only the collection calls, letters, but even the documents they received from their local court indicating um, an action had been commenced against them. So there are some uh, caveats to that. You know, we had sort of talked about um, it previously um, how how you should pull your credit. Um, Nicole had touched on that. So there there is technically credit bureau purge policies with both Equifax and TransUnion. You know, at that point, you might want to do some some research into determining, you know, um, how long have these debts been on your credit? When may they fall off? Um, and I know we're going to talk about it, but you also might want to think about um, whether these debts are outside of the limitations period that's specific to your specific uh, province, which I know we're going to go over. So I won't get into that at this point. So, and actually leading into it, Nicole, <laughs> is there a statute of limitations on debt and how long can a creditor or collection agency pursue payment on a debt? Yeah. So I find the statute of limitations a really interesting conversation. Um, so for most provinces, the statute of limitations is two years. So, but there's a bunch of things that go into that. So it's, it's one, you have to have the debt and then Two, the statute of limitations says that the creditor can't sue you for that debt if you haven't made an acknowledgement of the debt in the previous two years or a payment or anything kind of associated with it. So if, let's say, the debt is two years old and at you know month six you say, hey, yeah, the debt is mine, I just can't pay it, you might have restarted that clock and you have no idea that you've restarted it. So it doesn't, and also the statute of limitations doesn't mean that they can't sue you. They absolutely can. It's just a defense when you go to court to say, yep, I owe this debt, but it's this, the statute of limitations is expired, so I shouldn't have to pay it. And depending on the court or the, the registrar, they may or may not 
say that you have to pay that debt, right? So it's not a ironclad uh, in and out, like statute of limitations, I don't have to pay this debt. Um, there's a lot of nuances to it. So I don't always recommend to my clients that that might be the best avenue to take as far as statute of <laughs> limitations. <laughs> and Mike, you had something to add to that. Yeah, I just sort of wanted to add that um, it doesn't apply to necessarily all types of debts. So, um, and I'm sure this is this is obvious, but in case not, and to be informative, if you have a secured debt like a mortgage or a car loan, they can enforce their security rights at any time. Uh, the uh, Income Tax Act also has its own specific um, statute of limitations, which they put at 10 years, and this is for the CRA when they're doing collections. And I would sort of just add, again, I, I think uh, Ontario and Alberta are quite similar in this regard, but in Ontario, there are specific ways that you can what's called acknowledge the debt, which can revive the limitations period. But and, and it's quite complicated and this isn't legal advice, but something to keep in mind is um, once that expiry period or once that limitations period has expired, uh, it actually cannot be reset. And and the law in Ontario specifically states that. But but you should be aware, like you could accidentally, without realizing it, um, acknowledge a debt. So there are specific ways you should communicate with um, uh, creditors or debt collection agencies uh, to avoid that. And that's why I'd recommend if you do think you have um, a debt that's sort of outside that period, you should speak to a licensed insolvency trustee or a lawyer um, to be sure that that you're right about that. Like seek seek advice, legal or otherwise. Um, on that. As Nicole says, don't just run on it. Fair. And bringing up licensed solvency trustees, let's close this up. I'm going to ask you each um, to answer this question. So Nicole, I'm going to start with you. How can a licensed insolvency trustee help deal with a debt collector? Yeah, we could definitely help. So there's multiple things that we can do, but ultimately we can look at possibly doing a bankruptcy proceeding or one that can be very, very successful as a consumer proposal as well, in which ultimately all the debts are kind of put together. It feels a lot like for the client that they're just making one monthly payment. What happens is the debts are encompassed by either one of those proceedings. And then the client doesn't now have to deal with the collections agency anymore. We take over dealing with the collections agency. Actually, we're likely going to go back all the way to the original creditor to get the debts paid through that uh, insolvency proceeding. And a lot of the times what I can facilitate for the clients is if they're still being contacted by that collections agency, I can send them letters and say, hey, this client is filed. Uh, you no longer have the ability to continue to collect, garnish, or issue any judgments against this client. Um, and sometimes I can even send a cease and desist letter, which can be very helpful. So yeah, I do tell them though, give it some time because a lot of the times the left hand isn't always talking to the right hand. So it could be weeks before I'm able to like, the proposal starts immediately, but it, it might take weeks for that collections agency to get the message that this is in place and they're no longer allowed to contact. <laughs> and Mike, I'm going to extend from that. Why BDO? Sure. Well, I w first off, I would just ditto all of that if, if that's easy and simple for me. <laughs> um, I, I would add some things to it and I'll come back to that. But look, why BDO? We're one of the largest filers in Canada. We have um, offices and experts pretty much in um, every corner of the country. We've been doing this a very long time, so our knowledge is deep. Um, and we have a reputation and a track record for providing not only good formal solutions, but advice on what a person can do, which which sort of brings me full circle back to sort of how I would say an LIT can help. 
keep in mind that all of the services we provide start with a conversation that is, I like to refer to as an information session. So when you're speaking to an LIT at the outset, they are giving you a breakdown of all of your options and a conversation like this, where they explain to you, you know, what your rights are, for example, when it comes to a a collection agency or garnishment or how filing a proposal or bankruptcy may protect you from those types of actions. So in general, starts with that free consultation. We give you all of the information you need, and it may not require a formal service. It may not need to go to a consumer proposal. It might be as simple as helping you rework your budget or giving you advice on how to communicate with the debt collector or giving you advice on how to dispute the debt if it's not yours. So that's how I look at our role at that initial outset is really just to give you all of the information to make an informed decision in the first place. Well, thank you both for your time today. This was very informative and I'm sure people are going to really get a lot from this because there is a lot of mystery around debt collection and myths. And, you know, I love that we got to sit down and clear this up. So thank you both of you for being here today. Thanks. Thank you. So that's it for another episode of the BDO Financial Wellness Podcast. I want to thank Michael Comrie and Nicole Olson for answering our debt collection questions. If you're looking for more financial wellness podcast episodes, videos, debt management resources, and tools, we invite you to visit our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. We are here to help you turn the page on debt. Your next chapter is waiting.